Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, a 10,000-foot view of the first, well, we'll say pre-All-Star break, actually two-thirds of the way through the schedule, Timberwolves, take a, a bit of a step back and see where things are right now. Also give three things that uh, if you had told me on opening night these are the case, I'd be pleasantly surprised with where we sit right now. We'll also look at the Portland matchup for tonight and peek ahead at the post-All-Star break schedule. It's all upcoming. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Thursday, everybody. Uh, Happy game day. Happy Last game of the pre-All-Star break schedule game day as we'll take on the Blazers tonight and then head into the All-Star break. Don't play another game for another eight days here. A lot of a lot of stuff to get to here today. A big thank you off the top for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you'd like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV, and you can follow on X at Lockdown T-Wolves, and also at B-Beacon, with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. What I want to do today is, uh, this is the second-to-last show of the first half of the season, and tomorrow's show, looking ahead briefly, is going to be a straight-up all-star break edition. I want to look at um, I, I want to look at all the odds on FanDuel for, especially All-Star Saturday, uh, the three-point, we talked a little bit about this in the Minnesota Basketball Party on Wednesday, but the three-point contest odds are out. I'm going to give my pick for it uh, straight up and then also, you know, based on the odds on FanDuel, like who I would be who I would be placing a wager on. We'll talk, obviously, about Cat. I'll give a prediction for that. Um, and then we'll do the same with the dunk contest and skills. Obviously, Ant participated in skills. Uh, you know, we'll look at the rosters for Sunday. I guess also Rising Stars probably spent a little bit less time on those because... Who knows? Um, like, as always, um, obviously, Chris Finch coaching Sunday. I said kind of offhand on the Minnesota basketball party Wednesday, like, oh, maybe Ant will get more run this year in a second All-Star game. But then after I said it, I realized that with Finch as the coach, no, that's not going to happen. The, the coach, you know, the coach whose player is on that team in the All-Star game is not going to play them a ton of minutes. So uh, I take back what I said on that show. But Anyway, I'll give some kind of picks for the weekend. We'll take a look at it. That'll be mostly what we do Friday. So today is kind of the reset, even though there's still one more game, but the reset uh, 10,000-foot view, if you will. And actually, after tonight's game, the Wolves will be 67%, two-thirds of the way through their schedule. So, you know, this this mid-season break is legitimately a two-thirds season break and not a half-season break. Um, I think it's interesting that it's the actual, you know, there's only one, like literally one-third of the schedule left. So uh, we'll t- I-, I do want to, like this is a like this is a legitimate sample size now, right? Like we're looking at the season to this point, and we can evaluate it and uh, you know feel good that we've learned more than something, right? We've learned a lot there is to know about all of these teams. Now you start to buckle down and get to winning time at the end of the season um, for teams that are jockeying for you know position, right? Teams that are jockeying for playoff seating, um, and that's something we can get into, you know we certainly will get into related to like, Hey, if the wolves are first and it looks, you know, so-and-so's fourth and they won't have to face them until, you know, uh, whatever, or actually, no, I guess whoever finishes fourth, you would have to face sooner. But anyway, we'll get to all that later. 
Um, for right now, I you know, as part of this reset, like, don't look now. Actually, please do look now. The Timberwolves are number two in net rating in the entire NBA right now behind Boston. And it's easy to get caught up. And I know now they've won, what, like four in a row. It's easy to get caught up in the, ah, they haven't played as well since January 1st. They haven't played as well since X date. The offense is still turning the ball over way too much. And, and yes, we, we talk about that. But right now, for the season, for the season, the Timberwolves are number two in net rating in the entire league behind only the Boston Celtics, who have been the best team in the league all season. Of course, the Wolves have split a pair of overtime games against Boston and easily should, I mean, they should have won the game on the road, but two overtime games, winning at home, losing on the road, and their two games against the Celtics. But Boston's number one with a plus 10, according to Cleaning the Glass, plus 10 net rating. Minnesota has a plus 8.1. They're now just a shade ahead of the Thunder, who have fallen a game behind the Wolves overall, but the Wolves are point two ahead of them in point differential or net rating, I should say. And uh, of course, they split the season series. The Clippers are fourth. The Wolves have already beaten them twice. Cleveland is fifth, who we have not seen yet. And of course, they've been really hot. The Knicks are sixth. You go on down the list, Phoenix, Philadelphia. Um, and then New Orleans is actually ninth and Denver is 10th. And um, this is a separate conversation. Again, when we get into playoff matchups, et cetera, uh, the Wolves struggle with New Orleans. We've only played Denver once so far this year. And obviously, you know, you don't want to play Denver in the playoffs, but I truly believe the Wolves match up better with the Nuggets than they do with the Pelicans. Um, and yeah, it's partly because of the season results, but there's a reason why those games ended up that way, right? So we'll talk more about that later, but notable that Denver's all the way down to 10th league-wide in league rating and New Orleans is up to 9th in, in net rating. So Minnesota's number one in the entire league. They're number one in defensive rating and they have been virtually all season. It's 2.2 points ahead of the next best defense, which is Cleveland. Cleveland's been awesome over the last six weeks or so. Boston is third. They've mostly year been in the top five. Same with Oklahoma City. Um, and Houston's still fifth, by the way, even though their offense has been awful and, and they're now well below 500 as a team. So the Wolves are still the number one defense by far. I'm not going to dig into the context today like I have on some past shows about, you know, like, you know, past seasons and what that margin looks like and where that team finished. But again, that's something we could do later. Uh, we've got a few shows next week, actually, before games start up again. So maybe we'll do that next week where, you know, we can look at number one defenses over the past decade or whatever. Where have they finished in the playoffs? And what about defenses that are this much better than the league's next best defense? And you can say the same thing about effective field goal percentage. The Timberwolves have a, not only is their net rating 2.2 points better than the number two defense, their uh, defensive effective field goal percentage is 1.2 points better than Boston's and 1.5 points better than Cleveland's and 1.6 points better than OKC's. At this point, we're not going to sit here and say, hey, the Wolves have had good fortune, good fortune with opponents missing threes. That's not what this is anymore. This is, again, the Wolves cultivating the ideal opponent shot profile. Lots of mid-range jumpers, very few corner threes, for the most part defending without fouling. That's a solid recipe. And opponents are still, you know, they're shooting 35% for three right now, like if you just take the three-point percentage number, and that's still the seventh best opponent three-point percentage. But to have the seventh best opponent three-point percentage and the number one effective field goal percentage means they're doing a lot of other stuff right, like not fouling and have great paint defense, right? So yeah, there's a little bit of good fortune, but if you avoid corner threes, you deter 
shots in the paint. And then when people do shoot in the paint, you have Rudy Gobert, Jade McDaniels, Nas Reed, Cat, guys that can erase shots or at least have the presence to deter and then ultimately alter and potentially erase shots as well. More mid-range jumpers. It's it's also the same reason why certain teams, New Orleans, Philadelphia, Phoenix, teams that like shooting mid-range jumpers are a challenge for Minnesota because they're really, really good at that. But over the long haul, and, and that's, again, a conversation we can have come playoff time about matchups that aren't ideal for Minnesota. We've only seen Phoenix once this year, and it was that terrible blowout loss on the second night of a road back-to-back where the Wolves were never competitive. And now Phoenix is, you know, rounding into form, whatever form that's going to be right now. It looks pretty good. You know, that that's another playoff matchup we can get back to. But against most teams, that opponent shot profile is ideal for the Timberwolves. And it's been successful to this point. So again, recapping that, number two in net rating league-wide right now, number one in defensive rating, number one in effective field goal percentage, all of those by far. Also, the Wolves are up to number 15 in offense, season long. This isn't like a last two weeks thing, which I do want to get into, but season long, this is cleaning the glass. I should have said that off the top. I'm using cleaning the glass because it filters out garbage time and a quarter possessions. Minnesota's offense is officially now number 15 in efficiency, according to cleaning the glass. If this team gets into the top 10, 12, call it it even top 12, look out. I, I mean, like if this team becomes a top 12 offense with an a number one with a bullet defense, like sky is truly the limit. It really is. And we're starting to see, we'll talk about how it's been for the last two weeks, for the last six weeks, more broadly. Um, It's taking shape. So I want to get into that a little bit next, uh, kind of more the recent numbers, where we're trending. And then I want to get into those three things that would be pleasant, that had you told opening night, you know, locked on Wolves host, that these things would be true, me and hopefully everybody listening and watching the show would would feel pretty happy about it. So we'll get into all that here next. Uh, a couple other things to close the show related to Portland upcoming schedule, all that. Uh, we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at Robinhood. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you could still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match either. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024, validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker-dealer. Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube, and now it's also available on Amazon Fire TV and the free Fire TV channels app. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you, 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Find Lockdown Sports Today now available on the free Fire TV channels app. All right. Uh, so we talked about where the Wolves sit overall for the season. I don't usually love pulling like last two weeks, last month data because 
it's obviously very noisy. It inherently, by definition, it's recency bias. Um, and I think the bigger picture tells the best story, right? And I already listed all that. And it's all very favorable. Well, um, even though the Wolves have had some of these terrible losses, the Bulls lost Charlotte, uh, going back to San Antonio, They've been really good over the past couple of months. They just have been. Remember like that that gauntlet from December 11th to January 12th or whatever it was where the Wolves played 16 straight games against playoff teams, against above 500 teams, 12 of them on the road, back-to-back mixed in there, like just a really challenging schedule. And they went, I think, nine and seven over that stretch. So part of that stretch is reflected here. The schedule got softer at the end of January and the Wolves, you know, they ended up with some bad losses because they were close losses to bad teams. So that I acknowledge that, right? And that's going to make the net rating look better because it doesn't take into account who the opponent was. But over the last two weeks, the Wolves are number one in the NBA net rating. Now they've obviously won a few games in a row and they've beaten some good teams here in Milwaukee and the Clippers. They're number one in net rating over the last two weeks, according to Cleaning the Glass. They're number two in defense over the last two weeks, which isn't surprising. They're number four in offensive rating over the last two weeks in the NBA. And they're only number 18th in turnover uh, rate offensively, which is, you know, not good. But if you look at the overall season f- to to this point in the season, the Wolves are 28th in turnover rate at cleaning the glass. They were they've been 18th over the last two weeks. So trending in the right direction. OK, again, I acknowledge. Some of those losses, obviously, they're bad, right? You lose a lead late to a bad team. It's a bad loss. But I go back to something I said. I think I said this on the basketball party on Wednesday. The Wolves are. They play well against good teams, either are competitive losses, you know, a couple random ones notwithstanding. The Phoenix game comes to mind early, early in the season. Um, uh, Pelicans loss, I think, mixed in there was kind of a blow up. But for the most part, they're very competitive against good teams and often beat them. They've got one of the league's best, I think actually the best record against playoff teams or above 500 teams or whatever. Uh, they win on the road. They have the league's most road wins. They win at home. They have a solid home record. And they mostly are beating up on bad teams. The occasional loss that the Wolves suffer, which to frankly, like, I mean, they've only lost 16 times this year. I think occasional is the right word when you're 38 and 16 at the All-Star break. Losing a close game to a bad team is not good, but you could argue that it's the best type of loss, right? Like, in, in a sense, because if you're getting blown out by good team, like, obviously, I guess you'd rather lose a close game to a good team, but you get blown out by a good team, and that's not a good sign. You get blown up by a bad team. That's even more concerning on some level. Um, this is allowing the Wolves to work out some of these kinks and learn how to play with the lead and some of that stuff that may or may not come up later when it's even more important. Um, I don't know. I, I'm Maybe I'm stretching this a little bit, but it's not like they're getting blown out by bad teams. It's not like game three against the Atlanta Hawks where you lose a lead and you get blown out, right? There's progress being made here. And the point is the net rating reflects that. Go back to January 1st, six weeks. The Wolves are number two in the league in net rating. I believe second to just Cleveland, which makes sense. They've been crazy hot. Number two in defensive rating since January 1st. And number 13 in offensive rating since January 1st. Now, this is a bigger sample. This is six weeks. So it's, um, you know, nearly a third of the games played to this point, or actually more than a third, almost half of the games played to this point in the season. Since January 1st, the Wolves are a top half in the league offense. Number 13 in offensive rating. So again, the narrative here, trending in the right direction. Yes, the schedule's been a little bit softer. We'll talk about the immediate post-All-Star break schedule here in a minute. Uh, But 
It's progress. To see the team, and that's, by the way, that's been a theme of Chris Fitch's teams over his time in Minnesota. They get better as the season goes on, which I think is the sign of a solid coaching staff. Um, and that's, that's you know, the, the Finch evaluation is a bigger conversation. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Obviously, he's coaching the Western Conference All-Star team. And I have been a, it shocks me how much people <laughs> rip on Finch. And I get that that's the thing. Like, you always complain about the coach because it's easier, right? Uh not you, not Timberwolves fans specifically, people and sports fans in general. Chris Finch is a really good basketball coach, guys. He's the, the Wolves are number one in the West for a reason. Um, and uh, I, it also shocks me that like, like for instance, uh, if you listen to the, uh, John Krasinski was on the Ryan Rosillo show on, I guess it would have been yesterday, Wednesday, I think is when the episode came out. And Rosillo didn't mention Chris Fitch until the end of, it wasn't even a question. It was like at the end saying that he was a fan of him. Nobody's talking about Chris Fitch. Talk about some of these other teams and people talk about the coach immediately, right? Like Ty Lue's a great coach. People love to talk about Ty Lue. Um, you know, Spolster's a great coach. I still don't think we actually, as a basketball culture, talk about Spolster enough. But like, um, I feel like Joe Missoula gets a lot of love. Like, and I get it. These teams have won in the playoffs to some extent. But um I don't know. I mean, am I, obviously Michael Malone. Like, I feel like there just isn't enough Chris Finch chatter out there, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes this All-Star break. All right. If you had told opening night Ben, here are three things that will be the case of the All-Star break, I would be ecstatic about. Number one, the Timberwolves are number two in the league in three-point percentage. That's phenomenal. I, like, I don't, there's not a whole lot else to say about that. And the Wolves got better as the season went on last year. But the last couple of years have have been a bit of a struggle early, and they finished last season just 13th in the league in three point percentage. Uh, two years ago, when they won 46 games, the you know pre ready go bear, they were 12th in the league in three point percentage. That was the year that like Cat was healthy, had a great shooting year. Torian Prince was awful for the first three months, and then like shot 50 percent after January 1st, and the team got better and better and better and better in terms of shooting the ball, and they finished 12th in three point percentage. Again, last year, you know, cap beat out certainly hurt that, and they were 13th in three-point percentage. This year, on lower volume, albeit, which is an issue, and the volume has been increasing. That's another thing that's been getting much better. Uh, the Wolves are second in three-point percentage in the league, 39.3% as a team. You got a bunch of guys that individually are just lighting the net on fire. Uh, you know, if you had told me to kill Alexander Walker, would be over 38%. He was roughly 40% last year between the Wolves and the Jazz, but that was by far a career, a career best, so I was a bit worried that that was... Uh, going to be an outlier, but he's in that neighborhood again this year, over 38%. Um, Ant over 38%, shooting a career high from three, more on that in a second. Nas Reed, 41%. Cat, almost 44%. Conley shooting 44.1% from three, a career high. And then, you like, McDaniels backing up his 40% season last year with 36%. Like, you'd like that to be a little bit higher, but it's showing that last year wasn't a complete fluke. Like, he can be a nearly 40% catch-and-shoot guy. Uh, from the perimeter. I mean, like the only guy that hasn't shot the ball well, obviously Kyle Anderson would be one, um, but the volume is now way down and that hurts the Wolves. Um, but he was 40% last year, like won a game from the corners, was Shake Milton, a rotation guy early that shot well below a career average from three. But besides that, everybody else is at or above their career three-point average uh, or percentage. And um, that's a really, really good thing for the Wolves. Uh, the second thing, if you told me Anthony Edwards would get better in virtually every category, um, I don't want to say I'd be surprised, but I think pleasantly surprised is probably the right, you know, mildly surprised and also very pleased with that outcome. Like, Ant last year, 
a lot of the categories counting stats wise got better, right? Like he rebounded better. He had more assists per game. He had more points per game. The shooting efficiency went up, um, except for free throw percentage was down a little bit. That was partly due to more minutes last season and just kind of natural growth. But overall, his impact as a player was a bit overstated because he wasn't consistent defensively. He turned it over too much for how often the ball was in his hands. The shot, the decision-making, you know, he shot, I would say, even too many threes last year or the wrong types of threes. Now, this year, every single efficiency category has trended in the right direction majorly for Ant. His overall field goal percentage is nearly a full point better. His three-point percentage is a point at 1.6% better. He's improved his free throw shooting. Not only is he shooting more free throws, but he's shooting that free throws at an almost 9% clip better than last year. He was 75.6% last year, 84% from the line this year. I mean, that's an extra point and a half per game. You mix in the increase in getting to the line and his percentage at the line. That's an extra point and a half per game. By the way, his points per game is up exactly 1.5 points. That's basically coming from the free throw line. And he's shooting less threes, but he's shooting them at a higher clip because the shot selection is better. You go down to his rate-based stats, and basically everything is up. Like, the assists are way up. And even with a higher usage rate and a higher assist rate, his turnover rate is actually down slightly. He turned the ball over 13% of the time last season. This year, it's 12.9%, but his assist rate is up almost 6%, and his usage rate is up more than two points. He's been so much more efficient. The decision-making has been much better. The only thing you'd really look at and say, hey, this needs to improve right now is he the rebounding after improving drastically last year. It's taken a half step back this year. You need him to grab a few more boards. If you want to do the whole, like, I'm not going to turn this into a straight-up Ant-MJ comparison, but go back and look at, like, age 22 Michael Jordan. I think that was actually the, the ankle year where he only played, like, 18 games. So go his rookie year, whatever. Michael Jordan was always a better rebounder than Ant has been early in his career. Like that's one area where Jordan was just active on the glass. Ant's not there yet. Um, occasionally he is. Like occasionally it's like he's jumping over guys. He's grabbing nine boards in a game, and and you could tell it's just it's kind of like his defense. It's much more consistent this year. And when he locks in a hundred percent, like he's locked in. The defense and the rebounding are two areas that. It, I mean, if he ever locks in like a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time, it's going to be real scary. Like then, then like we're, the MJ comps are not insane at that point. Like, I, like honestly, I mean, the talent level is is to the point where if, and also if he continues to understand the game or grow that part incrementally, which again, year two to year three, I don't know that it was all that much better. It was a little better last year, but there's a bit of a jump this year to some of that decision making. Um, and actually related to that, I'll make my third point here. Well, actually, let's do this. I'll make my third point next. We'll roll into Portland. We'll roll into the schedule. We'll do all that here to close the show. The third point has to do with both Ant and Cat and the team's offense overall. We'll get to that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at Hungry Root. Hungry Root is your partner in healthy living. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality ingredients and groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered right to your door. Take a fun, short quiz, and Hungry Root will get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal taste, but each order is fully customizable. Take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh Fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, and much, 
much more. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's got to taste good, it's got to be quick to make, and it has to contain whole trusted ingredients. Save hours planning, shopping, and cooking. Hungry Root delivers foods that you'll love. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Lockdown NBA channel listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Lockdown to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Lockdown. Don't forget to use our link so they know that we sent you. All right. Uh, last impressive thing, and obviously this list could be longer, but I'm going to keep it to three. The integration, or I should say reintegration, I don't know, no integration, because this is really the first you know, there wasn't a stretch last year where, you know, Cat was truly part of the offense before he got hurt. And then, you know, things never really got, there's nothing to reintegrate because things never got integrated last year. The integration of Cat into the offense, his connection with Rudy Gobert, which we did see early last year. And, you know, I believe Cat is still number one in assists to Rudy. Cat and Mike Conley have been kind of going back and forth, but those are the top two in assists to Rudy. And the team passing as a whole, I think it's all related. And Ant is part of that. I already talked about his assist rate being up almost six full points um, in terms of percentage. But Cat is also passing the ball extremely well. Um, and you look at at Cat's assist rate, it's down a little bit this year. Well, it's down from last year mostly because of uh, just uh, like he only played 29 games last year. And so I, I think he... When he got back into the offense, he wasn't in any way the focal point. And now this year, when he Cat does get touches, he's not looking to facilitate and create as much because when he gets those touches, ants off the floor or whatever, and he is the offense. Um, in fact, we've seen a usage rate over where it was last year and back closer to where it was two years ago, his last All-Star season. Um, but all that to say, Cat's assists are going to Rudy, and he is part of this team ball movement. And we talk about the ball getting sticky and the Wolves playing in isolation too much. You actually, if you look at the NBA.com, um, the tracking data and and passes per game, believe it or not, the Timberwolves are actually seventh in the league in passes per game. And obviously you'd want that to be higher, but you're talking about an offense that's languished around 20th in the league for most of the season. And we talk about the ball being sticky too often. They're seventh in the league in passes. And some of the teams ahead of them aren't. I mean, like the Pacers are an awesome offense. The Pelicans have a good offense. The Warriors are ahead of them. The Cavs. Um, there's some bad teams ahead of them too. So like, that surprised me. I did not think the Wolves would be quite that high um, in their uh, passing ranking. And there's obviously some other numbers around that too. But that's an encouraging stat when you look at it. Uh, so the reintegration of or the integration of Cat into the offense, Ant and Cat and Mike Conley's ability to pass to Rudy, getting Rudy some touches. And of course, Gobert's numbers still aren't like if you just look at his straight up offensive numbers field goal percentage, his usage rate. Some of that stuff isn't necessarily where it was in Utah. But the bellwether, of course, is the Wolves' defense at Rudy's happiness level. There's been a lot said about this recently, about how happy Rudy is. Um, and, uh, like, that shows itself in the Wolves' dominant defense. And also, they are still getting Rudy touches. Like, Rudy, I know he played with Donovan Mitchell, but he didn't play with Donovan Mitchell and Carl Anthony Towns, right? He didn't play with Ant and Cat. And now Rudy, he is clearly the third option, but he's getting enough touches to keep him happy. And uh, they've really kind of figured that out this year. All right, quickly, keys to the Portland game, shifting gears abruptly here uh, toward the end of the show. But shifting gears to the Portland game, we just saw Portland on Tuesday. The two things that were concerning to me going into that game were going to be defensive rebounding and um, turnovers. Portland actually, even though they're a bad defensive team, 
Portland turns teams over at the fourth highest rate of any defense in the league. So coming into this game, they're fourth in defensive turnover rate. Um, the Wolves did okay with that on Tuesday and thankfully got to the line enough and made enough threes to kind of erase any issues there. Turnovers are a concern. Offensive rebounding for Portland, so defensive rebounding for Minnesota, was a problem the other night uh, when the Wolves played the Blazers, and it allowed Portland to kind of hang around, especially when the Wolves played some zone. I would expect them to try zone again against Portland, um, you know, depending on, like, Anthony Simons was hot early, but nobody else really killed the Wolves, uh, at least early in the game. Um, So, now... They also got killed on straight line drives. Like that was more of an issue. Just staying in front of guys. Usually that's not a problem. So like if this were just, if this weren't the last game before the all-star break with the Wolves on a winning streak, I'd say that's not a concern. They're not going to have two bad games like that in a row, but the last game before the all-star break is always dangerous. And uh, hopefully Portland is also looking ahead with none of those guys. I don't think really participated in any all-star weekend festivities. Hopefully they're looking ahead to their vacations as well, and uh, the Wolves can lock in and get this win. But rebounding, to, uh, defensive rebounding specifically, and uh, turnovers would be my main concerns here uh, looking at this one. In terms of the Wolves' schedule right after the break, and obviously we'll dig into this a bit more after the break. We've got some time next week. The Wolves don't play again until a week from today. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, a week from tomorrow. Friday night against the Bucks. That's an ESPN game at in Minnesota at Target Center that got moved to 9 p.m. to accommodate for ESPN. So a likely full-strength Bucks team. The Wolves did not see Dame. They did not see Chris Middleton last time they played them. So that could be a ton of fun. And then, of course, they come right out of the break with a back-to-back, the Nets, but at least that's at home. Then the Spurs at home, the Grizzlies at home, the Kings. It's a super long road trip, uh, which or excuse me, homestand. Uh, six, or no, seven games in a row at home, which is just kind of nuts. Uh, and I guess... I guess a good thing. I mean, it's definitely a good thing. It's just like, then they follow that up with a six-game road trip. So, whatever. Scheduling. Um, so, six, seven-game homestand. They, you know, the Bucks game, but then Brooklyn, San Antonio, Memphis, those are all games they'll be favored in easily. Sacramento at home. Sacramento, we know, is a tough matchup. And then a Sunday matinee on March 3rd with the Clippers at home, which is going to be a challenge, a big game. And then Portland. So, that's a homestand with seven games. you got to go five and two. Um, between Milwaukee, Sacramento, and the Clippers, you pro- like it's okay if you lose two of those three. Maybe they win two out of those three and they drop one of the ones against a lesser team. But a five and two homestand is something the Wolves should shoot for. The road trip actually, it's a pretty tough one. Indiana, Cleveland, Lakers, Clippers, two against Utah. That's you know everybody but Utah's almost a surefire playoff team. And then uh, Utah's still got a shot at the play-in at this point too. So anyway. We'll talk a lot more about that next week, but there's a real shot for Minnesota to rattle off, you know, five out of seven or something like that right after the break. Right now, uh, the Wolves are on a three-game win streak going for four in a row against Portland tonight. We'll have the live postcast on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Uh, I, Jack Borman, I believe, with Luke Gidman, and so check that out. Uh, it'll also be posted to this audio feed uh, late after the live show, and then I'll have the postgame pod for you on Friday. We'll talk all about this game, and uh, we'll also do predictions Um I think I said the whole show would be about predictions. It's obviously the post game pod, but I'm going to close it with predictions for the weekend as well for the all uh, all star Saturday, especially. So we'll do all that on Friday's show. And then we'll be back on Monday with an all star weekend reaction show. We'll spend all of next week looking ahead to the second half of the season. Lots on tap. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow an X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. 
your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.